it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him." Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he be brought, us, or be brought forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And it's so much just in this short passage today. But Lord, I just pray that our hearts and minds are turned to you and that each and every one who is hearing this will take away exactly what it is that you would have them to take away, that your spirit would go before us and your spirit would move in such a great and mighty and powerful way. And Father, in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to bring out that this passage talks about, it just right off the bat, uh, it talks about the perseverance of trials. You know, we're going to encounter trials. The, the book of James here, this word, the God's word is very specific in saying that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficulties. As a matter of fact, you can count on it. You are going to experience difficulties. Um, the Greek word here for um, this idea of encountering trials is actually probably a good way to say that would be that anything that's unwelcome and unanticipated uh, as an experience. So an experience that you don't want, that you didn't expect. Anybody have anything that they know of going on now that you didn't want and you didn't expect? You know, here we find ourselves. I mean, you know, does this sound familiar? Of course it does. Uh, anyone believe that this coronavirus is a bit of a trial for all of us? I mean, you know, it's always affecting all of us. But, you know, it's, it's forced us to change our way of life. It's forced us to change the way we do things. It's forced us to, to, to change the way that we do church as, as faith followers. You know, so obviously this... Uh, this uh, coronavirus has been a bit of a trial. I don't know. From you, maybe you're sitting there and, you know, maybe you're liking this whole thing. If you're an introvert, you're like, yeah, stay away from me. Although I was talking to one of our helpers here today who probably admits to be a bit of an introvert, and we decided that the coronavirus is making extroverts out of introverts pretty much since April the 1st. So, uh, but maybe your quarantine has been going flawless, although I really doubt it. I know at our house there are 11 people 
that live in our house. Now think about that for a moment. Eleven people and with seven of them being twelve and under. Now stop and think about that for a moment, especially on days when it's raining and muddy and you can't go outside. I threatened them with wind sprints in the driveway the other day because there was just too much energy going on. Uh, So things can be a bit crazy, and certainly every day at our house is a trial, and that's trial with capital T-N-T, just so that you know. Uh, Now, we've all had to deal with this. This is definitely a trial. So how are you, if you claim to be a person of faith, if you're a faith follower, uh, Jesus Christ, how are you handling unwelcome experiences, or more specifically, how are you handling the coronavirus as a Christian. Now, the writer of James here, he goes on to say that we are to consider it joy. He says, count it all joy. Stop and think about that for a moment. We just established that this whole thing that's going on, uh, COVID-19, dealing with it all, is a trial. So how are you doing with your joy in relation to this coronavirus. You know, from a Christian's perspective, again, we're going to face all kinds of difficulties in life. Uh, One day, hopefully very soon, we'll look back and and this coronavirus will be a memory, something that we uh, caution ourselves on as we move forward. But all of this quarantining, all of that, is that even a word, quarantining? I don't know. I guess are we probably a lot of new words that are entering our language nowadays. But but what all of this will, will be a distant memory. But that doesn't mean that there won't be many other trials that come our way. You know, again, nowhere in Scripture is there a promise of an easy life just because you follow Jesus. Again, look at at it as just the opposite. Think about Jesus himself. You know, was his life easy? You stop and think about some of the trials and the difficulties that he went through just in in doing his mission and doing the things that he wanted to do and doing the things that he came to do and certainly how his mission was completed on this earth. And we talked about that uh, last week, Easter Sunday. We talked about this idea that Jesus gave up his life. He willingly laid down his life as sacrifice. His life was not easy. So how are we facing the difficulties in life. Are we doing it or are we able to get some joy out of it? You know, pure joy, meaning complete or whole, overflowing joy. So how is your COVID-19 joy shaking up? Um, You know, remember, think about it this way. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. We often tie them together because happiness really comes about because of events or circumstances. Something happens. Someone shows up with a surprise at your door. It makes you happy because of that event or that circumstance. But joy is a choice. And that's despite our events, our circumstances. Joy often takes a little more work, especially during something like this. But where do we find our joy? Understand that with a, a continued growth in Christ, a continued maturity, and a continued completeness, you know, the, these trials will help us get through with joy. We'll be able to handle them with a faith in Jesus, and we will let the Holy Spirit guide us. Um, the Scripture also talks about wisdom. He says, you know, if you're lacking in wisdom, ask God and, and let Him bring you wisdom. You know, we need wisdom to handle these things that come our way. Right now, with everything that's going on, one of the wisest things we can do is to stay socially distanced. 
It's weakened. Uh, if you're going out in public, if you're heading out into the, the masses because it's time to replenish the pantry as best you can, and apparently toilet paper is starting to make a comeback, so that's a good thing. Now, but if it's time to replenish the pantry and you head out, you know, don't be afraid to, to wear gloves or wear masks because there are many people out there who are not. Um, so, and don't be afraid to, to ask someone, excuse me, would you back up a little bit? You're a little too close. Uh, because apparently people are not doing that either out there in the masses. Um, so, so again, be aware, but we, we approach these things. We do what we have to do. We stay at home for the most part, um, but we do what we have to do. And when we have to go out, we make wise choices. But how we handle things and how we handle not just this one, but any kind of difficulties or any kind of trials that come our way, do we handle them with wisdom? And we need to make sure that we're asking God for wisdom. How do we handle that? God, would you give me the wisdom to deal with this in, you know, in an intelligent way, to be smart, but to do it in a way so that you get the glory? Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's something that might be new for us um, you know, with the quarantine, all the changes. You know, we didn't ask for it, but how are you handling it? Are you handling it wisely? Um, and then finally, you know, we, we, frankly, we need to continue to believe in that what we ask from God that he will provide. You know, do you believe that God will give you the strength? Do you believe that God will help you find your joy? Do you believe that God will give you the wisdom to handle these things uh, appropriately? You know, do you believe that God will bring good out of all the chaos? It's easy to sit back and look at all the craziness around us and all this chaos that we're living in and think, oh, what, what good can come of this? But the scripture teaches us that you know, God works all things together for good for those who love him and those who serve him. And so as we continue as a church, as we continue to serve God and we continue to do our best to reach out to our, our members and, and reach out to those around us, um, to check on them, uh, to pray for them and continue to support one another, even if we can't physically be there to, to, to sit down and have a meal with them or to, to shake their hand or to give them a hug or whatever it might be, even though we, we can't do a lot of that, this idea that uh, you know, God will continue to give us strength and he will continue to point us in the right direction and that good things will come through this. Now, think about the church here. We, we, can meet, we cannot meet here as a, as a group, and we long for those days when we can because we miss people. We miss seeing people. We miss spending time with them. But who knows what type of good can come out of this? This, you know, they say absence made the heart grow fonder, I guess. Maybe we'll all be uh, more appreciative of each other when we finally get to see everybody showing up on Sunday morning or seeing the people that we haven't been able to see. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I think for this particular trial that we as a, as a church, not just One Hope, but churches in general uh, are going through, I'm hoping that when we come back, we'll come back even stronger. Uh, that when we're able to be, meet together, people will have a renewed commitment to serving God, a renewed commitment to sharing the love of Jesus Christ wherever we go and with all of those in our community around us to, to do good things so that God gets the glory. And I can see the church coming back even stronger. Uh, so that would be one of the good things, I guess, that God can bring from this chaos. But know that whatever difficulty, whatever trial that we face in life, God can bring something good from it. You know, so again, when it's all said and done, regardless of whatever the trial might be, 
we should be able to give God the glory for bringing us through it. Now, again, if you're around me much, you'll hear me say this probably many times over, and, and that is this quote. And, and I can't claim it being original to me. I would like to, but it, it's not the case because it's been said, um, I'm sure, in many other places, and you've probably seen it before, but that's this. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. See, if we're following God and we trust Him and we trust that, that we, He's going to give us the strength and He is there to support us and that God, well, all things are possible with God, right? So if God's going to bring you to it, He'll bring you through it. God brought you there for a reason. And the thing is, again, going back to this idea of, of accepting what comes our way and being joyful about it, not getting depressed in the uh, events surrounding the trial, but knowing that when we come through the other side, we're going to be better for it. We're going to be stronger for it. And there's an old saying you've probably heard, if it, if it don't kill you, it just makes you stronger, right? <laughs> well, I hate to say it, but that's probably the truth about this trial and so many others that we face even though that's not necessarily biblical, still, we as followers of Jesus Christ should know that it should make us stronger. Our faith should be stronger. Our witness should be stronger. And so many of the things that we might go through as individuals, um, so many of the trials and the, the difficulties that we face, we often face them so that when we come through them, then we can share that experience with others and we can be an encouragement to others. Again, we're, we're put here... Um, sorry, introverts, but we are put in this, uh, on this earth to be in community with one another. Now, what that looks like for each of us may be a little different, but still, we're here to support and encourage one another in community. Uh, and so when we do that, when we experience that trial, that difficulty, uh, we come through it, it makes us stronger, and then we can share that with other people, and we can be an encouragement, and it can be uplifting to other people and help strengthen their faith and help bring them through it as well. You know, as, as we go through all this, we've all got to be wise enough to let God help us get through it. Uh, there are a lot of people who have a bit of a pride issue. You know, I, I can tell you that, that I myself am one of those people that has a hard time sitting back and letting someone do something for me. It's like, I can do that, right? I'm physically capable of doing those things. It's okay. But if someone and, and this is a hard lesson that I learned many years ago when I ended up in the hospital. It's one of those things that if someone comes to you and says, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Let me bring you some food. Let me come over and fold your laundry. Let me do this. Let me do that. Whatever. It may be hard for you, but don't let pride get in the way because here's what happens. When you say, oh, no, I got this covered. When someone wants to help you, then you deny them a blessing. So keep that in mind because that is a, it's a difficult, again, for those of us who are like, no, no, we don't want to ask for help. We got this. It's all good. But when we do that, it's true. We do deny someone a blessing. So do keep that in mind when someone offers um, to help and assistance, whatever that might be. Um, again, we don't have to do it on our own. God puts us in community. We have a faith family around us to support us, to lift us up, to bring us together and encourage us. And God will work through them. God will work through the church. God will work through other individuals. And sometimes God just says, I'll take care of myself. And, and he will work things together for your good. Um, but remember, through it all, it's not about us. It's about us accepting whatever help comes our way, accepting God that he is going to bring us through it. And really, it's all about giving him the glory because our trials make us stronger when we don't give in to them. Um, 
We're going to have those weak moments. We're going to have those moments of maybe doubting ourselves or thinking, oh, I can't get through this. But when that happens, God usually shows up in unexpected ways. Uh, Maybe you've been there, but I know in my life there have been little hiccups along the way. Something happens, uh, whatever, and, and God will send someone to say just the right thing at just the right time, or God will... Uh, you know, have someone send an email out of the blue or you get a card out of the blue or whatever. Um, how many of you have ever had something like that happen? I've had that countless times. Even, even as a pastor and even preaching in the past, I mean, there have been those days. I mean, one time, one time I remember I, I preached this sermon and, and I thought it was just a killer sermon. You know, all the points were right there. I didn't stumble over words. Everything was clear. It was concise. The message was great. When you get to the end, it was like, did, did anybody even hear that message? I was like, ah. And I was so frustrated because I think I'd built up this expectation in my mind. And I was so frustrated that uh, it just didn't get the response that I'd expected. And I remembered I, I left the sanctuary that morning and I went down to my office and I was grumbling to myself the whole way. And I hadn't been on my office two minutes when a lady who was actually on the search team that brought me to that church came and knocked at my door, and she came in, and she gave me a hug, and she goes, I want to tell you, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I was like, smack, you know, it was those face palm moments. Smack myself, saying, okay, God, I get it. It's not about me. It's about me just being your vessel, speaking your words, saying, and then let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. I can't force it. I can't twist it. I can't bend it. It's not up to me. You know, so again, it's about we have to learn to step back and let God... Let God get the glory for it. And God will, and he will send people at just the right time, in just the right moment, to pick us up and encourage us. So again, we're not going through these trials alone. None of us ever have to be alone. First of all, God's with us, and God will send his people to support and encourage at just the right times. One of the things that helps us, I think, in in getting our way or finding our way through these trials is that we have to remain humble at all times. Again, this idea that it's not about us, it's not about what I can do. We just have to be humble and remember that who's in charge. Remember who's got this. Uh, sometimes for some of us, that's, that's a difficult thing. Now in this passage that I read here just a moment ago, James kind of switches things up a little bit as he begins talking about trials and wisdom and so on and so forth. But when he gets down to verse 9, it says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in humiliation. Now, there's some things we need to understand about the culture here that James is writing to because the ancient world really knew nothing of what we think of as the middle class. I mean, most of the people that I know, most of my friends, most of the people that that I have any connection with, most of them are, are middle class folks or would be considered middle class people today. But in the ancient world, you're pretty much the regular class, the regular social class, or you were wealthy. You're one or the other. There really wasn't much in the way of middle ground. So he's talking about here someone from that regular class, that lowly class being boosted, or someone who is wealthy to be humiliated, um, you know, to, to realize that their riches are not the end all, be all. Um, we, we need, again, to understand this idea of humility, regardless of our situation, wherever we are, you know, Humble circumstances often provide an opportunity for perseverance and growth. 
And they provide a chance for God to be glorified. You know, if we remember whose we are and that God is still God in all situations and that we need Him in our lives, then we remember, you know, I can't do this on my own. And that's an important place for us to be because it's really difficult for God to to do His thing when we keep getting in our own way. And our pride can do that. Our pride, um, in the Proverbs, it says our pride goes before our fall. You know, our pride can be our downfall when we think we've got it handled, when we think we've got it all in control. It's okay to get help. Seek God, and God has placed other people in our paths for assistance. You know, it's okay. It's also important that we learn to be humble in our spirit, you know, like the rich must be. They must be humble in their spirit to understand that what they have is allowed by God. You know, life is fragile, and there are no guarantees. There's no guarantees that that... A uh, rich person's wealth will continue to hold out. That something won't happen. Someone who had all of their wealth because of a certain investment in the stock market or whatever, and that particular stock crashes or crumbles or something happens, boom, their, their life situation changes. We need to understand that there is nothing in our life that is a guarantee to be exactly the same. Kind of like what's going on right now. How many of you thought that you'd be having to sit at home and watch church uh, through a, a live stream you know, three months ago. We didn't think about something like that happening. But again, there, life is fluid. We continue to have ebbs and flows, ups and downs. <clears throat> and when we understand that we have no control over any of that, ultimately, that it's all about God, it certainly uh, handle or helps us handle our approach with God and being humble much better. If we're to live as righteous people, which again is what this whole series is about and really the whole book of James is about, trying to live a more righteous life. If we're to live as righteous people, that means that we need to make sure that we're giving God the thanks for all things and approach Him with utter humility. You know, when we lift ourselves up, we take God out of the equation. God is master over all. Uh, do you remember the story in the scripture in Luke 18 about the self-righteous Pharisee? This is the Pharisee who, who showed up, and in and, um, and Luke he compares the, the prayer of, of this Pharisee and the prayer of this tax collector who showed up and beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. And where the Pharisee stood off to the side and he said, oh, Lord, thank you that I am not like these people and began to you know, put everybody down pretty much. When we began to look at others and say, oh, okay, Lord, I know things are bad, but I'm not as bad as they are, then that's a problem, you know, because, again, we need to humble ourselves and have humility. We, we can't go around praising ourselves or, or, uh, or making sure that, that it's our actions that we're relying on. We need to make sure that we focus on God, give Him the glory, and, and that we are humble, and, and by doing so, our actions will cry out for God to take over. Again, Knowing that God is in control, God has this, and um, God's not going to let us down. As this passage then goes on, James kind of switches gears again, and he gets into this idea of of temptations and and being deceived. Uh, There towards the end in verse 16, he says, Do not be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. We, We know that God is good. He wants to do good for his people for his followers, for his creation. Um, but the thing is, is that we're going to experience temptations in life. Has anybody here ever not experienced a temptation? I'm pretty sure that all of us have experienced temptations. They come in multiple kinds of ways, you know. And temptations are really just deceptions. Um, 
you may have experienced a few deceptions or a few temptations during this quarantine even. Maybe the temptation to you know, open the pantry and you know, hang out and, and eat when you really don't have to be eating. Uh, maybe that's a temptation. Maybe there's a temptation to, to start looking for things that you didn't need to be looking at or to start watching, looking for shows or finding shows that you get hooked into that you wonder, what in the world was I doing? Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there on Netflix, by the way, that is not great for Christians to be watching, I'm just saying. Now, I've not seen it myself, but I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of holiness or righteousness about the Tiger King, just in case you were wondering. That's one of those, uh, at least everything that I've read, that's one of those, that's that when truth is stranger than fiction kind of thing, and I'm like, what in the world? Uh, but anyway, apparently it's all the rage right now. But just be careful. Like even, even in that, if you're looking for something to take up your time, you know, find something that's a little more holy or on the holy side. Not that we can't, you know, because I love superheroes, and I've probably watched a superhero movie or two recently. Uh, but, but anyway, um, I'm just saying that keep that in mind. Even as what you are looking for to kind of fill up your time, think about filling up your time with some things that are holy, because there's some good holy stuff that can also be entertaining uh, as well. So, again, you may have some extra temptations that you've experienced during this quarantine that maybe because of your normal regular schedule, that wouldn't even have been an issue before. But I want you to understand that regardless of how they're coming, temptations are not from God. You see, God can't be tempted, and as James says here, He doesn't tempt. Um, you know, and, and it's also not Satan and Satan alone. I know, I know a lot of times that we want to blame Satan for everything and all the bad stuff. And, and yes, he is the, you know, the father of all of the, that chaos and all of those kinds of things that we deal with. Um, but anybody remember, and this, this is telling my age a little bit. Now, I was young when this show was out. But anybody remember the Flip Wilson show? Anybody remember that? And some of you are like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Just YouTube it, Google it, whatever you need to do. But Flip Wilson's comedian... And uh, in his show, had one of those variety shows as everybody had in back in the 70s and all. But, but he, in his variety show, he would often do characters. And one of his characters was this lady named Geraldine. And Geraldine had this thing where she, she was always talking and she'd say, Well, the devil made me do it. And, and she would, you know, and so everybody could relate and it got some laughs and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's easy to sit back and, and just, well, it's all the devil's fault. The devil made me do it, you know, and, and we want to put it off on the devil. But let me tell you that the devil's not solely responsible for everything and every deception and every temptation um, that we face. Why? Because, again, we're born in, a, in an evil world. We're born in a broken world. And that means that um, our personal desires are often fleshly desires. And, and that means that we often have an inclination to do things that are against the will of God, which <clears throat> in its definition is evil. So that evil inclination uh, comes from just kind of the fallen nature that we live in. Um, it's easy to give in when the stakes are high or there's a lot at risk, you know. And um, I found this story about a, a British bank, and this is actually happened, you'd think this would be something that happened a long time ago, but it actually happened in the 90s, and actually February 26, 1995, the oldest bank in Britain, <clears throat> which is called the Barings Bank, it said, announced that it was seeking bankruptcy protection after it lost, and this is staggering, 
nearly $1 billion, $1 billion in a stock gamble. At the time the bank went under, what happened was the bank held assets for Queen Elizabeth, some $100 million, according to Time magazine. And then in late 1994, the chief trader at Baring's Singapore office began betting big on Japan's Nikkei market. Uh, then disaster struck, an earthquake hit Kobe, Japan, and on January 23, 1995, the Nikkei plunged more than 1,000 points. If you know anything about stock markets and all that kind of stuff, it's not good. Okay? Barings Bank lost big money, but instead of cutting his losses, Barings Singapore trader doubled his investment, apparently hoping that the Nikkei <coughs> would rebound. It didn't. <coughs> Excuse me. And as the Nikkei continued to plummet, Barings London office put up nearly $900 million to support its failing position on the Singapore investments. Finally, Barings ran out of capital and declined bankruptcy. So you stop and think about that for a moment. Now, here's. Here's the kicker. How could one 28-year-old trader in Singapore, 28 years old, um, probably not been in the banking business that long, but how could he be the one to lose nearly a billion dollars and ruin a 233-year-old British bank? According to the time, the problem was simply lack of supervision. He thought he knew what was best. And a London allowed this trader, to take control of both the trading desk and the backroom settlement operation in Singapore, and it became a mix that in this case was toxic for the bank. For a trader to keep his own books is like a schoolboy getting to grade his own test. The temptation to cheat can certainly be overwhelming, particularly if the stakes are high enough. Part of what helps us in our temptation and dealing with the temptations that come our way is accountability. And knowing that there is someone that we can um, be accountable to that helps us stay accountable. And when temptation becomes all the more tempting, accountability protects us from ourselves. So again, that's an important part of our Christian growth. It's an important part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. We've got to know that there are going to be temptations that we're going to face. But here's the thing. When we come through it, again, like everything else, it makes us stronger. And again, God will put people in our lives to help us through it. But with temptations, one of the issues is that we do need accountability. God himself is truth, and there is no deception in him. To avoid the deceptions, everything must be compared to the truth. What does God's word have to say about this? You know, society says this, culture says this, but what does God's word have to say about this? Now, granted, I know that not everything that we face today is something that is very specifically spelled out in Scripture. Um, I don't know, for instance, using illegal drugs. Well, there's a law. God's word, God's word, the truth, talks about following the law of the land. And there's a law, what is legal, what is illegal. And there are reasons for certain drugs and so on and so forth to be messed up, though, in illegal drugs. First of all, it's legal. It's, it's illegal. It's not following the law of the land. Second, we know that those kind of things can harm our body. And if... Christ lives within us. Our bodies are, as Scripture says, we are temples. And therefore, we're not to do anything to harm. We're supposed to take care of our temples. So there are a couple of mandates that you can find even with this example. of Well, it does not say don't take drugs. It doesn't say just say no. It doesn't say that in Scripture, right? But again, those things are implicit in other things that we read and other things that we understand. So 
Again, we take what's going on, compare it to what God's Word has to say. What is God's truth? And it's important to remember that God's Word is God's Word. What He said yesterday is the same. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He said yesterday is the same for today. You know, I, I, the, I, you know like ideas of marriage. And, oh, it's okay if you just live together. It's okay if you have sex outside of marriage. And, and there are those out there, those so-called um, professionals, I guess, that, that would say, oh, well, there are, the ideas of marriage are ancient and archaic. Uh, and, and we live in a culture today that, that we shouldn't have to be tied by such bounds and so on and so forth. But again, God had a plan. God's plan is perfect. The problem is, is that we're broken. Our culture is broken. And now today, some people want to say that, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We need to update God's word. We need to, you know, update these things or before because today in today's culture, these things aren't necessary or they, you know, it kind of pushes out God's word and what he has to say. No, God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can't get around that. There is no, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a, a believer of faith and you trust the Lord, then know that God's word is the truth. I don't care when it was written. God's word is the truth. It is the truth now, and it will be the truth next year, the year after, and forever on. Whatever questions you might have in life, how does it stack up to Scripture? We all need to take a look at God's word and compare everything. Trials, challenges, we're going to face them all. And it can all make us stronger if we hold firm in our faith and we rely upon the strength of our Heavenly Father to bring us through. You know, Again, perspective, important. How do we have joy in the midst of trials? How do we have joy in the midst of a coronavirus? It's about perspective. It's about understanding our place as far as followers of Christ and what that means to us. And we've got to know that temptations are going to come our way. No one is, <clears throat> is immune to temptations. We're going to face them. And they're going to face, we're going to face them in all forms and all kinds of ways. So do your part to avoid the deceptions. And one of the ways that we do that is letting Christ be our cornerstone. Or in this case, our corona stone. <laughs> Put Christ first. Build ourselves upon Him. Let Him be our firm foundation. That's how we will stand. That's how we will come through this. And that's how, when all this is over, we can look back and say, Wow. Look what God did for his people. Look how God brought us through and look where we are now because we never wavered and we remained firm in our faith following Jesus Christ. Trials and temptations, we're all going to deal with them. But God doesn't go anywhere. He's there to help us. He's there to bring others to help us through it. And, help, and, and so doing will make us stronger for it. God brings you to it. He'll get you through it. Won't you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your word to us today. We thank you for this opportunity to, to share. We thank you for everyone out there uh, watching the live stream or, or even watching it later, even though it's not live. Father, we just thank you for the technology to be able to do this and to help us as a church stay connected. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you that during the trials and temptations that we face, whatever uh, comes our way, Lord, we know that you don't go anywhere, that you're there to help pull us through, to give us the strength to bring us through it, and that your church, your people, become stronger because of it, and that you get the glory. 
And Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this morning that this word has been inspiring to you as you remember this too shall pass. God won't. He's not going anywhere. He'll bring us through it. Look forward to next week for another live stream as we pick up chapter 2 of our Faith and Righteous series. Have a great week, and we hope to see you then.